Welcome back, you guys. This is Jared, and you are listening to the Back Road Exploration Podcast. And once again, I am joined by my co-host and brother, Mike. Hey, man. Glad to be here. So, Mike, tell me what is going on that is new with you. Not a ton's going on. We did go on a trip this week, which was nice. Uh, oh. been my first trip since the curfew, or whatever you want to call it, the stay-at-home. Um, things are opening up here in Utah, and so we are able to go on a trip to... Uh, our, our local, I, I think of it as my local canyon. This is the place growing up that I went just four-wheeling and camping actually the most. It's real close to Spanish Fork, and it's called Lake Fork, and lots of forks in there, but I love the place. It's pretty. It's a nice little drive. It was pretty busy, but that's mostly all I've done recently off-roading-wise is just go on that trip, and it was awesome to get out with the kids and um, you know, I took three of my boys and we had a ton of fun. Yeah. It's funny. I'm very anti, like, this is my secret place or we don't share this location, um, for lots of reasons. But anyways, the, the only reason I bring that up is I am with you that for some reason, mostly because where we grew up, up Spanish Fork Canyon, we were really close to Lake Fork. And so, we would go there all the time. You know, it's like maybe a five minute drive. I don't know. It's super close. And so we'd go there all the time, camp, um, ride our four wheelers and stuff like you said. And so I, I do kind of have like this almost protectionism over it, which doesn't make any sense. Um, and that like one of the, I had shared a video on Instagram, just like a real brief video. And someone was like, where's this at? And it was like the first time I've ever not wanted to tell someone. <laughs> and it's so stupid because like, it's, it's not like, like it's all a the, secret. Anyway. Yeah, it's There's one a million it's, people there that weekend. Yeah, it's not a secret. It was way busy up there. Um, I'm anti-secret your own secret trails anyways. And it's like, don't get me wrong. It's really cool and nice. But of all the amazing places that we've been, it's probably not even like a top 20. <laughs> like, it's it's really cool, but it, it's not the most amazing place. And so I just thought it was funny as I saw that comment come in and I was like, well, I don't know if I want to share this with you. And I was like, what do you mean? Of course I want to share this with you. So of course I told him, I hope he, he said he wants to take his lander over up there. I hope he does. So anyways, it was just funny because I, I'm very, I just remember I actually had this Boy Scout hike that we went on. I was one of the adult leaders and we were doing this backpacking trip and there's this, there's this lake that's high up in the Uinas and the the guy who was leading it was like very much like he was being like so secretive. He's like, I'm not telling you guys where we're going. And I'm like, uh, yeah, you're telling us where we're going. I'm not going <laughs> on a 15 mile backpacking trip with you into the Uinas and you're not going to tell me what lake I'm going to be at. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And so, <laughs> well, so anyways, and, and he was like, well, it's my secret place. And I promised my buddies I wouldn't tell anybody. I was like, it's in the Uinas. Like, it's going to be on a map, dude. Like, it, it can't be that secret. So anyways, we were like having these kind of planning meetings. He's kind of this old school guy. He's really nice. But I was like, I just straight up said, like, I will not go unless you tell us where we're going. And we're definitely not going and not telling kids' parents where we're going. Yeah, no like, kidding. You're not like, kidnapping oh, these children. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. You know, it was like, it was the whole, you know, it was our whole church congregation activity. It wasn't like it was just a couple of young men, you know. So anyways, I just thought it was, but the, the reason that I was bringing this up is he had like this special way in. And by special way in, I mean, basically we were like, just like 
walking over the mountain instead of there's another big trailhead further down the road that you can take that's like significantly further and we were just like going cross country which is okay to do in this area but i just thought it was so funny that he was like acting like it was all secret and someone had like gone with a gps ahead of us not him or his friends and they had like tied little ribbons along the route uh-huh. And he was untying some of the ribbons. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So I was like towards the back, kind of like watching everyone and stuff. And so every once in a while, um, I don't, he was keeping them. He wasn't dropping them, but I found some that had just fallen in one or two places so and I picked them up and tied them back on. <laughs> <laughs> it was so funny. Anyways, I just, I don't know. I we, there's so many beautiful places we can share them we can respect them so anyways we went up to lake fork like you had mentioned it was so much fun um i had actually spent earlier in the day gone on a hike with my sister with our sister and it was really cool to do that with her and then i'm really glad i was actually planning on doing more exploring and was like i don't know it might get kind of busy and maybe we'll have a hard time finding a campsite and so after i went hiking with her and then we kind of just hung out for a couple hours i decided to just go straight to lake fork instead of the exploring i was going to do and i'm really glad i did because no joke from the time that i camped until two hours after you arrived that night there was basically a constant flow of vehicles going up the road and we probably would have found somewhere to camp but it wouldn't have been as cool down that little road's really kind of I don't know, like it's, it's really close to the road, but it's far enough away that you're not feeling like you're being, you know, driven on top of the whole time. And it's kind of down its own little secluded hollow road, which is cool. So, yeah, I'm glad you're there. It was a really good camp spot. And it was, I was, I guess I wasn't shocked. I was reminded at how busy it can be up there. I do think it's a little busier than normal just because I think people have been antsy to get out. I mean, we were, so I can understand it. But yeah, people around here have just been like, I want to get out of the house and go do something. And people are camping right now. For sure. I think all camping areas in Utah right now are just, you know, well, so many other activities are still closed. And so that's an activity that you can do. You're out and away. You can social distance pretty decently and things like that. And so I think people are taking advantage of the opportunity. Plus the mountains are starting to open up from snow melt now. And so people are just excited to be back out in you know beautiful areas of utah so those are kind of the main things that are going on i'm also working on part two of my trip that i did with my family uh, a couple of weekends ago this video it's it's taken me a little while to get to um, but i am excited about it it's coming along well so hopefully we will have a new video hitting on the youtube channel uh this weekend and then of course we'll have a video from our trip up in lake fork so that's kind of a nice little summary of the things that we're kind of been we've been up to and that we're working on. Tonight's topic is building your dream overland rig. And so this is something I've been thinking about. I'm always constantly thinking about different vehicles, what's the right vehicle, what would be the best setup, etc. So I thought it would be cool for you and I to sit down and talk about not necessarily well, basically talk about what our dream overland rig would be. And there's a couple of rules and parameters I want to add into this. It has to be a vehicle that you don't own. So make us step outside of our regular comfort zones. Okay. You get the vehicle for free. So that doesn't have to go into your expenses and you get 25 K to outfit it. What are you doing? So what rig are you doing and what upgrades are you adding to it? So why don't we talk first about vehicles and why, and then, 
jump into some of the upgrades because I think those will be a little more universal. So maybe we won't each break down our 25K spend. So. All right. Well, I can go first. So I've been thinking about this and thinking about my situation. And I think for me right now, uh, my dream rig is probably a 200 series Land Cruiser. Um, Very nice. They're really nice. They will fit my whole family and have a little bit of room to spare, but they're also not so incredibly huge. I, I worry about some vehicles are too big for some of the trails we've been on. Um, it, it has an amazing pedigree and reputation. And um, right now, I would say it's it's kind of my dream rig. Um, I think it gives me everything I want, allows me to get out on the trail with my whole family. This this past weekend especially showed me, I love the Forerunner, but I need to actually figure out a way to get more stuff on the roof. Like we were really tight with all our gear and pads and everything in the rig. And, you know, just having a little extra room in the Land Cruiser. And also just, I think I could get my wife more likely out there with the Land Cruiser just because they're so cushy and so nice and so fancy. And I think all around, it's just an amazing rig. They're super comfortable for sure. Like I, I think I, I definitely can see that as a, as a, you know, I think a lot of people would consider that to be like their dream overland rig. You know, the, obviously the main downsides are that they're $85,000 <laughs> brand new. Um, but the good thing is, is that they're coming out, you know, uh, the, the used market is softening a lot on them, especially in the early years on them. So you can find them. It makes me actually think Kurt Williams. So most people probably know him as the Kurt from Expedition Overland. He is a Utah native, and um, he's also kind of the founder of Expedition Utah, which is a group that you and I are, are a part of. He has a, and he owns Cruiser Outfitters, which is a uh, um, outfitting, vehicle outfitting company for land cruisers so he owns a bunch of cool land cruisers but why i'm bringing this up is he has a really really cool 200 series land cruiser and we did a trip with him and some other people from expedition utah last year where we did like a um, a trail cleanup up american fort canyon for a trail that we sponsored up there and he had his 200 series land cruiser there and it was absolutely amazing like the whole time i just was blown away. of course you know because he has an outfitting company it's decked out in everything you could want it has a great lift nice tires bumpers the snorkel the insides decked out with a bunch of really cool things so i definitely can see why you like it um what would you kind of do to it a little bit what are some of your thoughts i think a lot of the stuff he did, as you described his uh, stuff, um, you know, I think I I like the idea of aftermarket front and rear bumpers. Um, they look cool, sure, but one thing I've been thinking is uh, my wife got me a high lift jack for Christmas, which was cool. It was on like my, oh, here's some things I'd like to get. And as I've gotten it, I've been like, I'm not sure how well i can actually use it right because i have plastic front and rear bumpers like i guess if i can get it into the the tow hitch i could lift it there or i can lift it on my sliders but if i have to lift from the front there's nothing to lift from mm -hmm. you know so that's been kind of weird honestly the only thing i've used it for so far was actually there there was a 
we have a tramp hole in my backyard and there was a tramp jammed into the ground and the walls had actually collapsed in and I could not get the thing out. And I dug a little bit under it and used the high lift jack to like spring it out of there. But that's the only thing I've used it for so far. So I think just the more accessibility and the ruggedness and also they give you better uh, tow hooks and, you know, bashing into stuff. I don't really bash into stuff that much. And I don't think that I would really, you know, with this rig, I guess I don't feel like I'm a, a real rock crawler. You know, if you've watched our videos, we're pretty tame. Um, we're, we're mostly about exploring. It's not that we don't like rock crawling, but I guess I'm kind of chicken and don't want to bust up my rig. So maybe my dream rig should be like an old beat up Jeep or something. And then I wouldn't <laughs> care as much. But, well, um, but yeah. And it's not necessarily our goal is to explore new places and we're willing to go and, and do as much of that as possible. Every once in a while we run across a trail in which maybe we're not fully equipped or comfortable with yet. And we need to build to overcome that. And until then, there's a lot of other exploring to do. Right. So, and then I, I don't know, like I waffle on like a rooftop tent. I think they're really cool, but I just, my family's too big to make it work. Um, now maybe I could do like a rooftop tent and sleep inside. Um, what, and what maybe I, that would get us all. I'm not sure. I think if you did the, um, which the, the, one of the main benefits to me of the 200 series line cruiser has tons of load carrying, you know, whatever towing capacity. And um, that's not the word I'm looking for. The GVW on it is high. So you can actually load it up pretty full and not be necessarily, ex, ex, you know, exceeding its ability to carry cargo, you know? And so you could get like the Cascadia, they have their like four person tent. It's like a queen bed size or the eye camper is also a queen bed size. But I think you could get that Cascadia one, open it up. And then it, if you have the annex, then you could sleep a couple of kids on cots down there. And that wouldn't be, um, it would, it, I think that would be similar amount of time setup work, et cetera as your current Kodiak canvas style tent. So I could see you doing that. And then when on the adventures that you're on where you're not necessarily with your whole family, I think that it would be really comfortable. Right. And that makes sense. And then I guess the other big mod, this is probably the next mod I would do. I mean, I guess I would also do the mod I've already done. I would do sliders because I just want the protection. And I actually, I have Expedition 1 sliders. And one of the main reasons I picked them is because they make a really good step and not all sliders do and they may even function slightly worse as sliders because of it but i don't care like i said i'm not a huge rock caller but i like feeling like i have the protection there i'm not going to rip up my doors so i'd get sliders and then the other big thing that i have missed not often actually but sometimes is i would i would like a lift just to get my body and my approach angle better get me a little higher off the ground. You know, I do a suspension lift. There's tons out there. I don't know. I guess if we're having a huge thing, I'd do like a, a King or an icon. Probably they both have really good reputations and I don't know. So I, I have definitely felt like, uh, there've been a few occasions where it would be nice to be a little higher. Um, Oh, you at some point, I know that it's not in your immediate plans, 
but at some point in time, you need to add a lift to your forerunner for sure. Right. So that's, those are the main things. I don't feel like I have a, a huge wish list, like, and, and maybe more stuff had come along, but mostly I want like bumpers, a lift, sliders, maybe a nice rooftop tent. Seems like it could be nice, especially if I'm really trying to give my whole family a, the luxury journey, you know. Um, it's amazing to me how hard it is to pack bedding for a bunch of people. Once you add in pads and sleeping bags for everybody, they're just, it, that's a lot of bedding. Yeah, well, and that's one, that it, that is one area that, um, I, you and I are very much like use what you have and then upgrade when you need to. Um, and one thing that both of us could benefit from is upgrading our sleeping equipment. So for example, like I have a nice, um, uh, sleeping bag. Um, why well, I don't know why I can't think of the brand right now, but it's basically a backpacking sleeping bag. It's not for me. It's for Lauren. It's a little, I actually got it as a present um, from my work. It's too tight for me. Like I, like I have too broad a shoulders for it. However, it works really good for her and all packed up. It's like the size of two. It's it, basically, it's like half the size of a regular bag. And so now it is also like $180 sleeping bag too, right? And so I think that as we fine tune our kit setup over time, we could you know, have some space enhancements by just getting a little bit nicer equipment. A lot of times what you were spending, sure you're spending some for the, um, it's big, it's Agnes is the sleeping bag. I don't know why I couldn't think of it earlier, but anyways, uh, the, uh, some of the expense you're doing obviously is name and quality and stuff, but a lot of it you're paying for is size and compactness. When you're, when you're talking about like backpacking style equipment, and I agree with you. That's one of the main benefits of a rooftop tent to me is that you can lay down your sleeping bags in most of them. You can lay the sleeping bag down flat and close up the tent and that and your pad is already there. And so even if you were bringing one or two pads or one or two cots for kids sleeping inside like an annex, I think you'd have a more comfortable sleeping platform and, you know, be utilizing your space a lot better. Yeah, for sure. And I, I actually have some nice cots that I got from Costco and they're really comfortable, but they are, they're huge. huge. Yeah. They're, they're, they're meant for like inside your house or in the back of a pickup truck. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's what they're for. Like I, I could maybe take one on a trip and I didn't even bring it this time because there wasn't room. So I slept right. on the ground, even though I would have preferred to sleep on a cot because the ground wasn't perfectly flat. My pad was plenty good to keep it soft, but it doesn't affect the fact that there's a hump in the ground, kind of, you know. Right. All right, so that's my dream rig. A slightly decked out Land Cruiser. I don't know if that's what you were going for. What What is your dream rig? Man, I have been, like, no joke, I've been toiling over this for, uh, you know, since we thought about this topic a couple of weeks ago, I've been toiling over it and saying, like, okay, what would I do? Um, I definitely like your idea of the 200 series Land Cruiser. I see so many awesome perks to them. Um, however, in the context of this and to be different one, you already mentioned it and I already own a Land Cruiser. So while I have a 100 series, um, I still feel like that's kind of outside of the spectrum. Uh, so then my next item in line, I was going to go with the Jeep Gladiator, but I do also have a Jeep already, even though it's not a Gladiator or a truck. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to not do either of those even though those would probably be one, two on my list 
under nor- normal circumstances. Um, so I'm, I'm really torn here. I really like the appeal from a looks perspective slash functionality perspective of a G wagon. And the, the downsides to that to me are that you, you, you have fairly limited aftermarket support and I, I, I'm not certain that it's big enough for what I would want long term. So if I'm going to try to encompass everything inside of one vehicle, I'm actually leaning towards a Ram power wagon. And I have been thinking about these things a ton. So one of the issues that I have right now with my Jeep Wrangler is that it seats five. Um, I have three children. So when my wife and I and our kids go, we are maxed out in the Jeep. And right now we actually fit and I've gotten really creative at kind of stuffing places and we can go with the whole family, including putting our dog in a comfortable space in the back and do about a two night trip. And we're okay. If we want to go longer than that, we're in trouble because the cooler that I bring is quite compact and we would, we're basically running out of cooling, you know, cold food. So I would need to bring a bigger cooler, which would take up more space. So the reality is I'm kind of at the max on space in the Jeep and I have some plans to be able to handle that, but I need more space. And if we have another kid, I need one more seat. And so that opens up this huge can of worms of what's available out there, which leads me to the Ram Power Wagon. So you can, I spent a ton of time this weekend looking at Ram Power Wagons. You can, although it is hard, you can get a Ram Power Wagon with a bench seat in the front. Um, so that would therefore give me six seats for the times that I would need that. Um, to me, a pickup is the best vehicle for cargo, right? They come with really, really high GVWs um, that you can handle, you know, different uh, configurations. They can, you could put a I think I would eventually with the 25,000 bucks, I think I would spend probably half of that on some type of a camper, whether that's like a four wheel camper or some other type in the back that we could sleep in. Um, That's definitely like a pop-up pop top style. So they're fairly aerodynamic. It doesn't actually take up much more space than the existing footprint of the vehicle. And then you will have so much, um, more internal living space. So one of the things that I really, really want to do is I would love to do a big trip to Alaska with my family. That's something that my wife and I have talked a bunch about is, you know, taking like a summer and doing like a month or two. And I love the idea. She in theory loves the idea, but one thing that I know that she doesn't love at all are mosquitoes and Alaska is like ridiculous with mosquitoes. And so like in the back of my mind, I'm like, how can we do a trip like this with the mosquitoes? And for whatever reason, some people are just like this and she's like this. We can both be outside. She'll get bit 20 times by mosquitoes. I won't get bit once. Mosquitoes are weird, man. Yeah. I think there really is something to, they like some blood more than others. Yeah, or, it's so Or some weird. people smell sweeter to them or something. Yeah, I don't know what it is, but, now don't get me wrong, I still get bit by mosquitoes, 
But we can be in an environment where I would say, there were no mosquitoes. What are you talking about? And then she'll have like 10 bites. And I'm like, how did that happen? And so I'm just like in the back of my mind, I'm envisioning Lauren, you know, getting out to camp and stuff and just like getting swarmed by mosquitoes in Alaska. So, you know, you can come up with a lot of preventative measures, but nothing is as good of a preventative measure as going into a camper, closing the door. <laughs> right. And so... I really like those, those, you know, those four wheel camper pop top campers. They have a lot of space in them. Um, especially in the ones that could fit inside the size of a Ram power wagon. Um, we could, I think we could sleep our whole family on the bed slash on the floor in there. Wouldn't be super comfortable, but we could make it work. The other thing about a Ram power wagon is the back seat is freaking huge. So, um, I could lay a kid down on that seat too, like why it would be fine there. Um, and he could sleep there. So I could maybe put him there. The baby would be with, with us in the bed and then Jackson could be on the floor. And so size is just such a big deal. Um, other things that I like about the Ram power wagon, uh, it comes with a lift already from the factory, which is really cool. It comes, most pickup trucks come with like plastic bumpers, basically just like your forerunner, right? right? It has bumpers that look like they are plastic, but the front and rear bumper are steel which I think is really cool. So it comes with a factory lift. It comes with a front. It comes with a steel bumpers. It comes from the showroom integrated with a worn Xeon 12,000 pound winch that's super stealth. It comes with solid front and rear axles. It comes with front and rear lockers. And it comes with front electronic disconnect sway bars. So just like a Jeep Rubicon does, you're going to get the amount of articulation that you're going to be able to get out of those is absolutely incredible. And it comes with more ground clearance than basically any vehicle that you can buy stock. So obviously those are the pluses downsides. They're freaking huge. Like they're big. They are really, really big, which is a massive downside. Like we have had, for example, the, the trail that I always think about, we've had other trails where they would be too wide, but the one that I think about the most is the behind the reef trail. We did a video on it. Um, it's a really, really cool video, but there's this one section of behind the reef trail where you're basically dropping off of the plateau to get down to the valley below where there's another road. And so you're basically going down this cliff ledge. I'm not, you might be able to do it. But it was tight. I don't know if it they, was I don't really know if tight. Fit. I don't think you could like I like, I think you might be able to if you were kind of bahan up on the rocks on the side. But if you got there and couldn't, you'd be you screwed. got halfway down the hill. Yeah, well, that's where the most narrow spot is. Halfway right. down the hill, there's a crazy narrow spot that's a really tight turn that took us both, you know, more than one try with our rigs, which are much smaller than a Ram power wagon in every aspect. They're narrower. They're shorter so the, the turning radius is going to be sharper just problematic right so every time i think about a full-size rig i think about that and i think oh my gosh you'd be and if you got there there's no way you're backing up that hill yeah and the it, side is like certain death if you go off the edge it's not like a sheer cliff down but you will roll until you hit the bottom which is like several hundred feet down <laughs> yeah and the power wagon is it's not it's not even a full-size truck. It's it's a three-quarter ton, right? Yeah. It's not even, so, yeah, it's not a 1500. They have the Ram Rebel, which has like most of the same features, except for it doesn't have the best features, in my opinion. It doesn't have the front 
it doesn't have the solid front axle. Right. Well, and I think maybe I'm wrong about this, but I feel like Power Wagon is actually like an option package, and you can get it on most trim levels of the the Ram 2500 trucks. I think so. I don't know all the. It, admittedly, I haven't investigated them a ton because it, they're way out of my price range, and I'm not looking for a full size rig. Right. But. I think you are right. I know that you can get it in really nice trims. They're super nice inside. The interiors are nice, and whether that's be, you know because you're getting a nicest trim or, or what. But you well, know, I bring that it. up because I think that's how you get your bench. I'm not even sure you can get a Rebel with a bench. Now, maybe I haven't looked into it at all, but and maybe they're more. It's a good uh, point. I don't know if you can. They're better at stuff like that, but you know the bench seat is one of the big pluses for you to make sure you can fit six. Yeah, I. So I, I, I think that I also like that you can tow stuff. So if I decided like, hey, I don't want to go um I don't want to go the route of a camper in the back, because there are downsides, you know, like it, when you go pinstripe up against and it's the side of your rig, that kind of sucks, but it's honestly not that big of a deal. But if you're pinstriping up against your camper, that makes that's a bigger deal to me. Um what I did in Moab this year where I slid up against that rock had I had a camper in the back, I would have destroyed it. Like it right. would probably be broken. Like, you know, just it would have probably broke off the top of it instead of just scuffed up my roof rack really bad. So I don't know. Like, so those are the, so if I decided like, Hey, I want to go. The other thing that I like is there's so many configurations you can do with the truck. They have those, all those awesome bed racks on them now where you can mount up, you know, all of your water and your fuel on the sides. You can put a rooftop tent on it. That's going to basically be level or below the roof of your truck, which is going to be nice. It'll keep help with the aerodynamics there. And then you have a huge bed. And we're always talking about how do you get all this gear in there? You can have so much gear and they have those awesome things. Like I would love to have one of those big bed slides that you pull up. Basically it's like a rack that slides the whole bed. You can slide out. And they can hold, you know, there's some guys on Instagram that I've seen that, you know, pretty big dudes that get out there on the end of it where it's all the way extended, like a 300 pound dude and it's like bouncing on it. So you can have all of the weight that you want. You can slide out all of your gear, get quick, easy access to it. Um, I really like the functionality of a truck. And I love that then if I decided like, hey, I don't want to do that and I needed something else, I could tow too. You know, whether it's like I want to bring a boat or an off-road trailer or something like that, the towing capacity that you get in that, you know, obviously your 200 series line cruiser would be fine too, but right. you, you like basically, you know, anyone that's towing with a Jeep Wrangler or with a Toyota 4Runner, you have to re-gear if you're going to tow extensively. Yeah, you, you notice stuff behind you a, a lot more. Yeah. So and at I, some point you may run out of capacity, but I mean, if you're really doing off-roading, you don't really want to have a huge, heavy trailer. No, but no. just having a small trailer back there, something that's going to affect the Forerunner, you wouldn't even know was there in a power wagon. For sure, yeah. Well, and like I even think of like uh, Brad from Trail Recon. He has a Jeep Wrangler. He's right now he's testing a um, one of those Patriot campers, which are really really cool. But he's like, I need to like he he had regeared before then, but he's talked about how if he hadn't regeared, towing would be a nightmare when you're running big tires. You know, so I had watched over the weekend, I watched a couple of videos and I was really, really impressed with the Ram power wagon off road. Like it was exceptionally capable. So to me, like 
man, while it really probably is like third or fourth on my list, I definitely could see myself in one with all of the functionality and capabilities that they have. And, and like I said, I'd probably go with a simple camper at first. Um, and the nice thing is it comes with so many things. I wouldn't add really any additions to it, maybe um, improve the lighting on it a little bit. Um, and then I would, you know, maybe upgrade the tires a little bit for, but it comes with those, I think it's the Wrangler Duratrax, which are a good tire anyway. So it comes, it's similar to the Jeep Rubicon. Obviously it's, you know, lineage there is connected. Um, right. In that they wanted to make an extremely capable off-road pickup that you can buy from the factory, just like Jeep does with the Jeep Wrangler Rubicon. They said, look, we're going to create the most capable off-road rig that you can buy from the factory showroom floor with the Jeep Rubicon. And I think that Ram is trying to do that from a pickup standpoint with the, um, with the, with the power wagon. It's essentially the Rubicon of trucks. My only big downside for it is that it's a 2,500 it, it's kind of weird to me that they're like, oh, yeah, we know how amazing the Power Wagon is. We know how amazing the Rubicon is. So we're going to give you the Ram Rebel, and it only has a rear locker. Yeah, it doesn't I don't have a front know. locker. It doesn't have a front disconnectable sway bar. It's like, you know, you already know what the best is. Why don't you do the best on this other truck, too, that's a smaller size class? Yeah, I agree. I, I, I agree. I think they should they should hit that market. So having said those things, what are some of the other rigs that kind of came into your consideration, I guess I should say, when you're thinking about this? So, you know, you've been talking about trucks. I love trucks. I've always loved trucks. I've always wanted to have trucks. I had a truck before I had my 4Runner. And I I was getting sick of having my daily driver being so huge. And so I was looking to downsize and also I just had another kid and my truck seats five and you know, you can live with not having both cars hold your whole family, but it's, it's restrictive. And so I was looking for something else, but the first things I actually looked at were, Oh, I love trucks. I want a smaller truck. I'll go look at the midsize trucks and they all ran into the same problem is you can't get a midsize truck to seat six. So right. they were out the window. I think the midsize trucks are really cool though. All of but them. The, the thing that I've actually always wanted though, my whole life, and it's not practical for my family. I'll probably never have one unless I just decide I just, I, I want a dedicated off-roader or something that's or just a dedicated play truck, which I'm not quite there is I have always loved single cab short bed trucks i don't know why they just seem fun and i'm not even like necessarily brand specific heck i don't even know who you can buy it from right now maybe nobody <laughs> but especially in four-wheel drive right i know tons of people do them in like but most of the ones are either long bed or two-wheel drive or both right that's like your classic work truck is a single cab long bed i know it's not super practical that's why i probably i don't know if i'll ever own one but it 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 kind of gives you the whole oh this is a a big truck that can hold a lot of stuff but also it's kind of small it it's not as big as a extended cabs you know my four door truck was huge and for i i noticed and appreciated the smallness of my forerunner but 
sure, I get some width, but mostly I feel like the length was the thing that I disliked the most. And so yeah. I don't know why. I've just always dreamed of having a nice lifted short bed, single cab truck. And obviously it's not practical. I can't take more than my wife, you know, and maybe one kid. So it's not practical, but just as a mm-hmm. fun off-road vehicle, that's always been my dream vehicle is a short bed truck, single cab. Yeah, no, I, I, I definitely feel you there. Other vehicles that I had considered for this. Oh man, there's so many. The thing is we live in like the best age ever for vehicles. Like there are so many awesome choices out there. And the reality is, is with a little bit of ingenuity, you can almost make any rig into a nice, you know, adventure touring overland rig. And so, um, other ones that I highly considered for this, obviously I think that the Jeep gladiator is really like an overlander's dream. You have all of the capabilities of a Jeep Wrangler and the capability and then the, you know, capacity and carrying things like that that you have of a pickup truck. So to me, it's awesome. We've seen so many cool builds out there. Matt Explorer, who is an editor for Overland Journal, um, he has one that's built out with, I believe, an AT camper in the back that he has just been all over in. And it's an awesome rig. So that's probably number one on my list. Um, but like I said, because I already own a Jeep, I kind of wanted to branch outside of that. Uh, other vehicles, obviously any Land Cruiser you're going to be pretty happy in. And, and we should mention, we're only mentioning vehicles that are available in the you know North America. I would love to get my hands on like a 70 series Land Cruiser or something similar. I think that that would be pretty fun. Uh, I, I would take any of Andrew St. Pierre White's builds. He could just build it for me and then send it over. Yeah, <laughs> and then I'll spend, I'll, I'll, t- I'll, then I'll just spend the $25,000 on gas. So um, a couple of other vehicles that I think go a little bit underrated. Um, you have like the Mitsubishi Montero. Now I don't think anyone would be like, that's my dream rig. I want it. But I think that it's a very capable four wheel drive uh, that you can get for pretty inexpensive. And with, man, if you had 25 K to upgrade it, you could do anything you want to. Um, so obviously it's going to be pretty good. We're not going to spend any time on the Wrangler or the forerunner because we already own those and, and, and have talked about those to some extent. Um, the mid-sized truck market, like you mentioned, there's so many cool trucks. I'm really intrigued by the new Ford Ranger. Uh, there's a lot of guys who are building those out into some really capable, um, vehicles and they can get, you know, lots of really good performance out of it. Um, obviously things like the Ford Raptor and things like that would be really cool too. So there were so many kind of things to consider, but my main considerations were I wanted something that could handle tons of gear and people because my family's getting big and just to bring the stuff, I feel like we pack really light, but just to get the stuff that we need, uh, it, it takes up a decent amount of space. Um, and I'm really impressed with the off-road capability of um, the the power wagons. So that's kind of why I went that direction. I think it's a good choice. You know, I, I think that's what's fun about talking about stuff like this is there are, there are so many awesome options right now. I love seeing people's different builds, you know, and I talk about how I was sick of having a huge truck as a commuter, like a, you know, a three quarter ton, but, even just almost any of the um, full-size trucks make good. You could do some awesome stuff with them. Give them a lift. You, you can be very capable. You can go a ton of places. You know, 
Yeah, I've been super impressed with uh, um, the Bound for Nowhere. They have a cool in, they have a cool YouTube channel. Um, you should check them out. But they have a, a I don't know 2017, 18, 19, I don't exactly sure what year Tundra. It's amazing, and it has like the tray back on it and a camper. They've gone all over the United States in it, and they've done some pretty good trails. Now they're they're more I would consider like borderline van lifers because they live in it full time and. Um, but, and, and they do do some off-roading, but not tons, but they've actually been picking that up over the last little bit. And they've done some pretty, gone to some pretty impressive places. And we, you know, we know how capable Tundras are. So obviously to me, the really only downside to a Tundra at all is that you get like eight miles to the gallon when it's loaded up. I, I don't know why, but them. you just finally reminded me of the other vehicle that I really want. Okay. This, this is kind of one reason I couldn't bring it up is because it doesn't exist yet. <laughs> uh, but the, the Rivian? The Rivian. <laughs> now, it's not Everyone perfect. just unsubscribe. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love electric vehicles. I'm just going to put that out there. The idea that I can just plug it into my house and just never have to go to the gas station again is awesome. Gas stations are gross. They're stinky. Like... I don't love the fueling experience. Maybe some people like it. I mean, it's not like the worst thing in the world. And obviously it's way faster than electricity. Electricity has a lot of downsides, but I like the idea that I can go up in the mountains and my vehicle's completely silent or not completely silent, but comparatively it's mostly silent right now. I also think they've done some things wrong. You know, I think solid axles are better for off-roading and therefore will, uh independent suspension now mm-hmm. i don't even know how well an electric motor works with solid axles i don't know how if there's more drag that way i don't know all the details of that not an engineer um but i think they could have been better that way but it looks like an awesome vehicle it looks like something that i would love you know and the one i like the most is actually the truck version because I like trucks, but the one I'd probably buy is the non-truck version because I need seats. So, you know, I I think it's an awesome vehicle. It looks awesome. Now, obviously the big concern is, and this is a big problem with electric vehicles right now, pretty much in general, is range is an issue. They're incredibly efficient, but their energy density, the energy density of batteries has got a long ways to go before it really competes with gasoline. And the biggest problem with that is, you know, if you're just doing city driving, they, they're giving you insane range numbers, right? More than you would ever need, right? Like More I, than I you have would ever long, need. I have a long commute and it's 70 miles. If you, you know, yeah. 35 miles each way. No problem. But once you say, oh, I'm going to go into the middle of nowhere and sometimes we're like, I hope the gas station in this town works or is open Open. or, you know, we used to go four wheeling in central Utah and we dropped down into a little town called Kushiram. It's a really cool little town. They have one gas pump, not like a whole station. They have one pump and I swear this pump is 70 years old. So what you do is you go tell the guy to turn it on and then you run the pump and then you look at the numbers on the front of the pump and you go tell the guy what the numbers on the front of the pump are so he can bill you. There's no connection. Like this is the oldest pump I've ever seen. Yeah. And electricity, sorry, I was just gonna say electricity getting out there is, 
you know, everyone talks about superchargers and all this stuff. And I'm like, well, that's great and all if you're on like a major highway. But if you're in the boonies and you're going to some dinky little town, sure, everyone probably has electricity, but it's not like you're going to be able to just plug into their house. You know, charging is definitely an issue for overlanding. Yeah. And like you said, the main issue is availability of power. It's not the range. The range isn't the problem, in my opinion. You, you know, you're, they're getting 300 mile range out of stuff nowadays, you know, or more. Okay. Well, we never go on a trip that we need more than 300 miles. We, I have been to the most remote places in Utah and you are never, I don't think there is a single place that I have been that I am more than a hundred miles away from a fuel station. Right. I've even been in when going through the West desert in Utah and into Nevada and driven 200 miles without seeing another person. I think that's the most distance I've done without seeing another person and without running into any type of civilization whatsoever. And I would have had a hundred miles left of range to go. However, like you mentioned, the problem is what happens. We have had many times where the next closest gas station is a hundred miles away, which is okay. Cause you can get there, but I have worried if we get there, is it going to be running? And so the chances of those guys having a way to charge a Rivian, very slim, you know. Right. Now, at, I think that first, that will so. get, I think it'll get solved in the future. So I think electric vehicles are the future, actually. Oh, for sure. We'll, 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 see, we'll see how much that, how fast that gets into our, um, you know, our community. But I think, I think we're a ways out. So as much as it's like, I would love one and it sounds amazing. I'm not sure how practical it is. The problem with it is at least right now, I don't feel like it can be your only vehicle, even for off-roading, right? Like I could have a spare Rivian and go on, if I know the trip is going to be within distance or if I know there's a charger at the beginning and I can round trip it. I, I But I think it's tough right now. And in the future, I think it'll those problems will get solved both with the density of the batteries will get better and they'll be able to hold more energy. And also they'll just have more chargers and more places that are faster. And, you know, I think it's a super awesome tech vehicle. Money's no option. Now, how is the modability of it? I have no idea. Like this is a truck that doesn't exist yet. Yeah. So it's going to be low unless they're building it. That's like, which what I've seen isn't really built after anything else. It's going to yeah. be, you're going to have to customize everything, right? It's not like you're going to be able to take a bumper that's designed for a Tundra and go strap it onto a Rivian, you know? So you're, the custom customizability is going to be really low because there's there's not going to be enough sales numbers to merit anyone making aftermarket parts for it. It's all going to have to be custom. So Right. Yeah. Like I, I think it looks awesome, but in a lot of ways I would rather have, now obviously it's not just that they can just throw this in, but capability-wise for off-roading and modability, I would rather have like a fully electric 4Runner or a fully electric Jeep. For sure. Yeah, well, because you're going to have all the aftermarket support for everything else, right? You're going to be able to have the same bumpers and, you know, sliders and skid plates and roof racks and all those types of things. That's the problem with a niche vehicle like the Rivian is every accessory is going to have to come directly from Rivian. And while I know they... completely custom. Yeah, or it could be completely custom. So... That would make it a little bit difficult. I, I agree with you that I think that it's the future of what's going to happen with vehicles, but I, I think that there's so many things that make it, well, one, 
getting people away from gas is going to be hard. And then two, I think it's going to be very difficult to, the infrastructure is not ready for it yet because yeah, I think when you, when you go on a road trip and you stop at the gas station, one of the reasons that the, the current infrastructure works is even though I may be making a 30 minute stop at the gas station, my car's only at the pump for five minutes and then I'm parking it and I'm going in using the restroom, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm going to have to have all kinds of, you know, when you go and charge for 30 minutes, you have to have way more pumps, quote unquote, right? Charging stations and stuff like that. So it's just it, when everyone is doing it. Right now it works because there's only three electric cars that are showing up in a day. And so the fact that a station only has one electric charging station isn't that big of a deal. What happens when 300 cars show up? Right. So well, and it, it, it also, because of the way electric cars work, 90% of the time you can charge at home. And so it's not even like with a gas, I have a gas car. When I drive it, I have to fill up somewhere close. So right. it supports a local infrastructure with the local people, but it's almost like you need destination vehicles for, oh, I'm going. And then you need like a ton because everyone going to this destination is all going to roughly run out of gas or electricity at the, same, the same time. Places, right. So they <laughs> all need to take this long fill up process. And so it's kind of like, it's kind of weird because right now there's just gas stations everywhere because everyone needs it. Whereas with electricity, it's more like, Okay, in certain locations, we need like a ton of charging and everywhere else we need hardly any. Right. So it's, it's a totally different dynamic. I'm not even sure how well that's going to um, scale. I don't know. You know, it's, it's kind of weird that way. So yeah. anyway, but if we're talking about dream vehicles, <laughs> I dream of having a fancy electric off-road capable vehicle. Not just, I mean, they have, there are electric cars now, but they don't interest me because... I, right. I can't go where we went. Even this last weekend, I couldn't take a Tesla Model X there. Right. It, it, it would get beat up. Yeah, for sure. Well, we want to know what you guys are interested in. If you had someone giving you your dream rig and 25K, what would you do to it? Um, you can uh, send us some, you can send us an email at backroadexploration at gmail.com and give us some of your insights. We'd be happy to share some of those. If you enjoyed this podcast, if you could do two things for us, it would be super huge. First, please make sure to go to iTunes and leave us a review. Those reviews help in every way. Basically, it just helps in their algorithm to show popularity, and that can help this podcast show up for more people. And probably even more importantly than that right now is if you have anyone in your family that likes podcasts and likes the outdoors, off-roading, overlanding, camping, remotely at all, uh, please share our podcast with them. Thank you so much for listening.